Well, I'm sure you've probably noticed that tolerance has become the new religion of our day. And it's not how we used to define tolerance, but tolerance now is that you have to celebrate everything, even if you disagree with it. And that's really not what tolerance is about. Thyatira was falling into that. And the Lord of the church had a correction for that church. We need to hear. And it's today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Now, there's a woman in your church, Jesus says to Thyatira, and even though you got these five things going for you, and you're working hard, and you're loving, and you've got faith, and you're serving others, and you're persevering in a difficult culture, here's something that I don't appreciate. There's a woman in your church, I don't know if her real name is Jezebel, this may be an association, just like we saw at Pergamum, there's a connection back to the teaching of Balaam, and in this case, Jezebel may be a name that the Lord has given to her. If her name is Jezebel, then that's how her parents named her, and that could be one thing. If Jesus has given her a name by which he sees her, then he calls her Jezebel. Either way, there you have it. (laughs) But here's what I would say. The New Testament is not afraid to call false teachers out by name. By name. And sometimes we're hesitant to do that. But The Apostle Paul names Alexander the coppersmith and says he's done me harm. He names Hymenaeus and Philetus in the New Testament and says that they are teaching people that the resurrection has already taken place and they shipwreck the faith of some. The Lord Jesus takes false teaching extremely seriously. More serious than I think most modern day Christians take it. Most modern-day Christians do not want to speak out against false teachers, especially well, you know, well-liked and popular false teachers, but here it is. Notice, he says, you tolerate this woman, Jezebel, and she calls herself a prophetess. The Lord doesn't call her a prophetess. She calls herself a prophetess. If you ever have a so-called prophetess or prophet blow into town, give you his or her business card, by the way, this is who I am. This is how much I charge per hour. You can, you can find my set of prophecies for five easy installments of $99.99 per month, right? And then you start hearing stuff, and here's the way that you measure a prophet or a prophetess, as it were. You measure them by what? The word of God. And this woman somehow had gotten a platform within this church at Thyatira, and she was telling the people of God, notice end of verse 20, my bondservants, these are true Christians, they are the servants of God, and she's teaching them to go astray, to commit acts of immorality, and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Now, I told you about the trade guilds, and here's what would happen. People would go into these trade guilds and they would go out for the evening and the the god or goddess might be honored and then they would have dinner. And then sometimes what would happen is that this would degenerate into sexual immorality, just like a lot of maybe modern business meetings can if there's the wrong combination of people and alcohol and you name it. And so I think she was saying something like this. Oh, you guys, I know there's a lot of pressure in Thyatira, 
but it really doesn't matter what you do with the trade guilds. You can go and do business there. Maybe she taught a form of Gnosticism. It doesn't matter what you do with your body. Your spirit can still be right with God. You can go and party and commit sexual immorality and eat meat sacrificed to idols. No problem. You're still okay with God. (laughs) And Jesus was saying, no, you're not. You cannot live in those two worlds, Jesus would say, and serve me. It's either Jezebel or Jesus. Amen? I think Jezebel thinks she's the king. I think she thinks she can tell people, you know, this is okay, this is what you can do and not do. There are people who write books today, but their books are completely contrary to the word of God. Who are you going to go with? The author of a Johnny-come-lately book or Jesus? I'll tell you who I'm going to choose. If there's a religious movement that comes on the horizon in the 1800s, like Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism happened in around the 1820s. Jehovah's Witnesses started around the 1880s. And they say, hey, we've reclaimed the lost gospel. It's been lost all these years, and now we got it back. I'm going to question whether or not that's real, especially if the founder's teaching is contrary to the Bible. Amen? That's how I'm going to measure a teacher or a so-called prophet. I'll tell you this. Joseph Smith said he was a prophet. When we get to Mormonism on the 633 evenings, I will read chapter and verse to you from the mouth of the so-called prophet. If, if someone is a Mormon tonight listening to my voice, I'll just tell you, you have followed a false prophet. You say, well, how could you say that, Pastor Michael? That's offensive. I would say that because when I hear the words of that so-called prophet, they are contrary to the Bible. He taught that man can become a god. He had 30-something wives, and he was stealing uh, wives from people in his church membership, Uh, He wasn't a very godly man, to say the least. He had his so-called vision of Jesus Christ out in the woods as a teenager, and the vision doesn't even fit. He said he found some, he was led to some golden tablets, and he had to wear Ray-Bans to translate them. I'm just kidding, it wasn't Ray-Bans, it was (laughs) magical spectacles. But then we find out about Joseph Smith's past, and he was into the occult, and to peep stones and, and messing with the occult. And, he, and his family was into treasure digging. And you start to put two and two together. And you say, man, this story sounds a lot like this guy's background. He was messing with the occult. His family was into treasure digging. And, and the story of the Book of Mormon is he dug up some golden tablets or plates that tell us the story of what really happened in the Americas. Not one shred of archaeological evidence for the Book of Mormon. So here's how you measure these things. Well, what was Jezebel saying? She was saying, you're fine. If if meat sacrificed to idols, you're good. Oh, and sexual immorality, it's not a big deal. If uh, if it's monogamy within the, the marriage relationship, one man, one woman, you don't have sex until you get married. And when you're married, that's where God honors the sexual relationship. She said, oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's not it. Actually, There's more freedom than that. See, she started to teach things that King Jesus says, no, you don't do. Now, sometimes people hear this and they say, is God just some killjoy in the sky trying to ruin everybody's fun? No, actually, God is the one who came up with male and female. God is the one who came up with the two shall become one flesh. These are God's ideas. 
All God, your creator, asks of you is to do it his way. And when you don't do it his way, and I could ask probably 50 people to come up here and give testimony, and I think we'd all say God's way is the best way. Now, it doesn't mean that if you've blown it, and we, we all have in one way or the other, that you can't be redeemed. But Jezebel was in the church from the pulpit saying, oh, it's all right. Some of these Christians around here are saying that you got a chapter and verse, you got to keep the Bible. Oh, no. If the trade guild wants you to give in a little bit, it's cool. It's business. Business is business. No, 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 no. You're a Christian wherever you go. We need you to be a Christian businessman or businesswoman. Now, we find Jezebel in the book of 1 Kings and 2 Kings. Go to 1 Kings for a second. 1 Kings. So you got the first five books of Moses, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. And then you've got 1 Kings. Just take a peek with me at a couple of verses here. Chapter 16, we find out some information about Jezebel. And I think I would lean towards this lady in, at the church of Thyatira is not actually named Jezebel. I think Jesus gave her this name because of the similarity in what she does and what this ancient woman Jezebel did. So look at 1 Kings 16, verse 30. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. 1 Kings 16, 31. And it came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, or Baal, king of the Sidonians. So she was from the area of Sidon or Sidon, or Sidon and went to serve Baal and worshiped him. So he, that is the king, erected an altar for Baal. He's a false god, ancient false god, in the house of Baal which he built in Samaria. And Ahab also made the Asherah, which was an ancient occultic type of uh, worship area. Thus Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. See, what he did was he, first of all, he should have never married Jezebel to begin with because the king should have not married a foreigner and she infiltrated into the people of Israel. And she turned the king's heart away from the living God, Yahweh or Jehovah, to Baal, this false god. And this false god, you know, he's, he shows up in all different kinds of contexts uh, for Israel. And his name is Baal, and then they put a location. So it's Baal Peor, or Baal of this location. He was showing up in every way, in different manifestations, but he was there. And he was also involved with, obviously, with the Sidonians. And so Jezebel gets involved, and, and the prophet at the time is Elijah the Tishbite. Everybody know Elijah, right? And Elijah has to confront the king, and he says, man, you've, you've troubled Israel so much so that I'll tell you what's going to happen. It's not going to rain, and it didn't rain for three years and six months at the word of Elijah. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. 
Visit The Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. The prophet at the time is Elijah the Tishbite. Everybody know Elijah, right? And Elijah has to confront the king. And he says, man, you've, you've troubled Israel so much so that I'll tell you what's going to happen. It's not going to rain. And it didn't rain for three years and six months at the word of Elijah. Remember? And so as time went on, Elijah has this uh, episode with the prophets of Baal. And uh, they, there's 450 prophets of Baal, and it seems like there's additional prophets as well. And he is the only one. And so they, they make an altar, and here's what's happening. So go over to chapter 18 and look at verse 25. So the contest is whoever answers by fire, he is the true God. So 1825, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one ox for yourselves and prepare it first, uh, for you are many, and call on the name of your God. Put no fire under it. Then they took the ox which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, Baal, Baal. That's my interpretation of how they said it. Baal, out of, Baal us out of this one, Baal. Answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they made. Maybe if we jump up and down, he'll hear us. You ever been there before? If I jump up and down, maybe I'll get my point across. And it came about at noon that Elijah mocked them. Here's biblical evidence that mocking can be okay. Praise the Lord. Verse 27, Elijah mocked them and he said, call out with a loud voice for he's a God. Either he's occupied or gone aside or he's on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. If you have the ESV, I think it says maybe he's out relieving himself. I'm not making this up, folks. This is the Bible. Yeah. He might be in the bathroom. He might be taking a little siesta. I don't know. Where is your God? Here is Ironclad evidence that biblical mockery sometimes is appropriate, especially to false teachers. But anyway, that's for another time. God then answers by fire. We know what happens, right? Their God doesn't answer. They start cutting themselves. The blood's running out of them. They're jumping up and down. I'm bleeding for you, Baal. He didn't answer. You know why? There is no Baal. He's a false god. He does not exist. If an idol is anything, says Paul, there's a demon behind it, but that's it. These idols that you make with your hands are not gods at all. There's only one God by nature. Baal is nothing but a phony. 
And so they jumped up and down, and of course, God then answered by fire, and it did not go well for the prophets of Baal. In fact, they were all slaughtered that day, and word got back to Jezebel. King Ahab was having a bad day. He went home, he got into some conflicts, and he, he saw this uh, vineyard that he really wanted. It was owned by a guy named Naboth, and he said, hey, Naboth, I want to buy your vineyard, man. What, what's the price? Or, oh, let's, we'll trade for a better one, and Naboth said, no, this is my family inheritance. This land belongs to my family. I'm not selling you this land, and I'm not trading for this land. And so Ahab went home, and he laid down in his little bed, and he went, <laughs> the whole world's against me. They killed the prophets. The guy won't sell me the house. It's terrible. Things that are going on. And Jezebel said, oh, honey, honey, honey. Aren't you the king of Israel? Yeah. I'll tell you what. She said, I'll take care of it. So she signed some letters in Naboth's name and sealed them with his seal and got some false witnesses against Naboth. And they said Naboth cursed the king and, and so forth. And they killed the guy. And then Jezebel came home and said, hey, Ahab, baby. I got you, I got you the vineyard. Everything's wonderful now. Oh, but it didn't go so wonderful because Elijah showed back up. Yeah, those youth are getting noisy up there. <laughs> and Elijah, Elijah showed back up and gave word. And he said, look, uh, this is not going to go well. Since you did this and, and you cost him his life, it's going to cost you your life. And here's one uh, light in the story of Ahab. Ahab actually repented at that point. But Jezebel died, and the dogs, here's what the Bible says, the dogs licked up her blood. Oh, I know, but it's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> go back to Revelation. Have you ever watched a movie, and the bad guy is just making you angry the whole movie? And then at the end of the movie, he's like hanging off a building. And the hero in the movie is holding him, and you're like, don't save him, let him go, right? And if it does happen that the hero lets him go, ah! I go into my Italian mode, which is good for you. <laughs> Splat, over, thank you, next. Sorry, that's, actually, maybe it is biblical. I mean, Elijah mocking him and telling him he's going to die. Anyway. But it did happen, and in fact, not only did the wife die, <laughs> pray for me, I know, not only did the wife die, but then it cost the sons of Ahab as well, they were killed. So even though, you know, upon his repentance, it didn't happen in his lifetime, uh, Ahab, it cost him his family big time. And so this is the story of Jezebel, and this is the name associated with this false teacher. And she was doing the same thing back in the day that this Jezebel was doing to the church at Thyatira. Folks, there's nothing new under the sun. There are going to be people who come along and tell you, oh, you got to loosen up on the, the Christian ethic thing. No, no, no. The Bible is very clear, Old and New Testament. Verse 21 of chapter 2, Revelation. Jesus says, I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent. Uh, NIV says she is unwilling. She does not want to repent of what? 
her immorality, which is the Greek word pornea. I just wrote in my notes, are you? Let's read it together again. She does not want to repent of her immorality. Do you? Do you remember when Jesus was at the pool of Bethesda and he said to the man who had been there, what, 38 years, do you want to get well? Now, if, if somebody had been in a condition for 38 years and, you, and they were struggling and they were saying, oh, I, I want to get the healing potion here. I, I want to get the healing remedy. And you said, do you want to get well? Do you think that, would, yeah, you might want to duck after you say that, right? But Jesus said it because I think it was a relevant question. There's some people deep down that don't want to get better. They don't. They're on our streets tonight. There's some people, if you've ever gotten involved with the homeless community, I'm not going to broad brush, but I'm going to say, there's some people, I've spoken to them fairly recently. One gentleman I can think in particular I said, why are you out here? You're articulate. It sounds like you, you have a trade you're good at. And he said, I decided that that's where I wanted to be. I simplified my life, and I'm just going to live out in a tent, you know, somewhere under a freeway or whatever. I'm like, really? Isn't it kind of dangerous? out? Oh, there's all kinds of drama out there, all kinds of drugs out there, all kinds of craziness out there. But that's where you want to be. Yep. <laughs> okay. And look, I'm not trying to be harsh, but there's some people standing by freeways with their signs. And I sometimes wonder, man, you spend so much time there. Maybe you should redirect that time towards looking for a job. I'm not trying to be harsh. Some people have legitimate, terrible stories and they need our help. But there's some people that don't want to get well. And here's the thing. Jesus says, look at verse 21, I gave her time. Here's the idea, folks. Jesus will give people a window of time to repent. And then if they don't, he can bring the hammer down. Have you ever had the hammer come down on you before? Anybody? <laughs> Anybody want to confess it? Oh, it's, it's much better if you would discipline yourself than allow the Lord to bring the board of correction to the seat of understanding, right? But Hebrews 12 says the Lord disciplines the son in whom he delights. And sometimes his discipline comes into our life. But this text implies, at least in this case, and probably in, in a wider sense, that he gives people a window of time to repent. Well, you know, in that famous Hebrews 12 passage, it talks about that what motivates God's discipline is his love for us. You see, we know we need discipline and we give our kids and grandkids discipline to protect them from destruction. Discipline, when it's done correctly, is a loving act. Please do not ignore the Holy Spirit's warning when it comes to discipline. And it's time to take some stock as a church. We are the church. And remember, a window of time is given to repent to this particular church. Would to God that we would take that window of grace and repent, do some business so that we won't be judged. We won't be disciplined by our Father because we have disciplined ourselves. Man, we need to hear this today. Well, this is the book of Revelation, and I am Pastor Michael Lance, and Walk in Truth is now on podcast, and you could subscribe to it. 
In addition to listening on the radio station that you're hearing this on, you can listen whenever you want. You can even go back and listen to teachings you've missed. Simply open up your podcast app like iPodcast, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. Hit the subscribe button. We appreciate you following us. Remember to look up Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app and hit the subscribe button. Now, friend, I'd like to invite you and your family to come out to Corona tomorrow night for a time of worship and to hear teaching in the book of Job. Again, join us tomorrow, Wednesday night services at 7 p.m. at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. Our address is 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. Just think of the armor of God, 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. If you download our free Living Truth app in your app store, you'll always know exactly what's going on and you can get the information you need on all the activities of the church. The Living Truth app is a free download, so make sure you download it today. Look for that red logo with the pillars. And remember, the church is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Boy, we need to stand for truth in our day. Hey, tomorrow we're going to conclude the Revelation teaching called Thyatira's Tolerance and learn how, man, we need to set the bar, draw the boundary, make sure that we are aligning our heart with God's way. God's truth and not be guilty of tolerating things that God does not tolerate. Man, we need discernment and wisdom in these areas, and we're going to get more of it as we jump into the text and finish it up. This is also the end of my teaching in chapter two of Revelation. Hey, we're moving right along, aren't we? (laughs) What a pace. Well, anyway, until tomorrow, may God richly bless you, and we'll catch you then. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.